of my friends listening on radio, or some of you are listening using merely the power of your mind, as I am right now, and some of you using a computer, which is a sort of artificial mind that you are using to filter things through. Well, I have something for you to filter today in the form of a question. What if the city of Cincinnati, Ohio was time itself? I mean an embodiment of time. I mean the very figure of time. If time were a sculpture, it would be Cincinnati. If time were a painting, it would be Cincinnati. Cincinnati, the perfect form of time. And therefore, because it is an object, it is a place we can journey toward it. Yes, that seems absurd if time were anything but Cincinnati, Ohio. But because it is, let's journey towards it. Let's take a vacation in time. Let's start out in Kentucky, where all journeys start from. Everyone, including Abraham Lincoln, started his life journey from Kentucky. His family got together one day and said, we're leaving. Let's leave Kentucky. Only then will life start. Well, that's true only with the direction of time. Now, some things are behind us, and some things are ahead of us. And in this case, the thing ahead of us is behind us because on the way to Cincinnati, in our mind, the Cincinnati of time, we are going to go through a place called Big, get this right, get it right, because I keep saying it wrong, Big Lick, Big Something Lick. I know that sounds awful. It's not Big Salt Lick, Big Darn Lick or something like that. It's a place in northern Kentucky, and it is a, a park. And I guess it's where buffalo lick things. They go through in there and say, everything here is salty, like it is in Kentucky. And they take a big, big bone lick. That's what it is. Gosh, I hope that's what it is, and that I didn't just blurt that out. But big bone lick. And there they found remains of mammoths and mastodons. Now, you say, what is the difference? Well, a mastodon has a very flat head and what they call instances in a fetiverse, while a mammoth is woolly and has sort of a big bumpy thing on its head. Now, you could see them, and one of their tusks are different size, but they don't tell you which. So it's like the lying twin paradox. It's not really a paradox, it's a little game. Both of them are lying. They say only one's lying. That's a lie. The whole thing, we're asking, is the other twin lying? Yes, he's a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. So that don't even mess with that. Because the one you ask is the liar. Usually. That's for life, too. And it is for me. Sometimes I lie, and I don't know I'm lying. One time someone stopped me on the street, and they said, do you know where Baptist Hospital is? And I gave them perfect directions to a different hospital, to St. Something. So I, I'm like, oh, no, whoops. I sent them to the Catholic hospital. Now what are they going to do? They're going to get there, and before surgery, they're going to say, I don't know, Eucharist, I don't know what that is, or something like that. So I, don't, I didn't mean to lie, but I, I did, and maybe I'm lying right now. So does it matter if the person telling you the lie knows they are fabricating? I think most storytellers tell you right off the bat, I'm a storyteller. And I don't say that. I'm not telling you stories. I'm telling you truth. It's just the way I'm telling it is rather absurd and illogical. 
but we can get to truth through all sorts of things, through paintings and through Cincinnati and through looking at the bones of animals. Now, when I saw they got a little exhibit there at Big Bone Lick, and I can imagine scouts going there and, and people saying, I want to put children in uniform and march them in front of this so they know that there were bones here. That's something that, at least in my youth, that was a value. So they got a little exhibit there of the animals dying in agony. Now, the funny thing is that the animals are represented in incredibly realistic sculptures. Right down to their guts, there's birds eating their guts out. And their human pursuers who are throwing arrows at them are stylized. They're in these two-dimensional metal cutouts of people. Just the shadows of humans. And I thought that was interesting. Is he not, where, let's put some realistic things of the humans eating the guts out of the, of the gentle old antique elephants. And uh, I'm not blaming people. I'm just saying, let's put it like it is out there at Big Bone Lick. If you're going to call it Big Bone Lick, let's go all the way. Because it seems like your premise is we can say whatever the hell we want. So let's just put it on out there. Show them eating the intestines. And then they have some live bison, which is you walk up to it, and it's just like those lobster tanks. We say, I will have that one for dinner. And you say, oh, I will, eat, I will feast upon that bison. No, that's not true. I'm, I'm kidding. I make jokes about us all eating one another, all creatures, because that happens. And uh, when, I do just, uh, when I do comedy just for animals, they get it. They're like, yeah, you can be something. Sometimes it'll eat you. And I go, yes, you get it. Doesn't mean you have to eat something to recognize that there's a lot of eating going on. And it could be you. You don't know whether you're the, I don't know whether I'm going to be the main course or the person that the waiter goes, have you dined with us before? No, I have not. So you've never been to a fancy restaurant like this? No. Well, let me, let me say, I'm going to emphasize very strange words. Like I'll say things like, we, we are serving uh, steak this evening. It does come with a sauce that will be served on something else. We, so just get ready for that. There's a different way of speaking. <clears throat> and I know that if you've ever seen a Shakespeare play, your teachers told you that. Say, you're going to hear Shakespeare now, and it's not in the language that you're used to. Yes, it is, because we're going to hip-hop Shakespeare. Don't do that. Well, you can do that. Who cares? It's not precious. I don't like the original very much, some of it. I know you shouldn't say that, but it's a little dated. It's, so is Alf. I'm not going to, it's all like, let's all make our contemporary stuff is the best. Because you go, I know what they're talking about. So, you know, you get the references and everything. And I remember so the, when I was a child, when I saw uh, Citizen Kane, I saw, I said, oh, is that supposed to be Hearst? I said like that in a childish voice. I didn't say that because I didn't know that. Um, I didn't, and I don't think I saw Citizen Kane, even though Orson Welles was a friend of the family. No, that's not, I don't know if that's true or not. I like when people say, oh, my family's history's, my family's always said, I think that liars, their influence endures, doesn't it? Yeah, my grandpa always told us, uh-oh. You know, who was he, really? Uh, but, I, I, you know, my, my legacy might be that. Well, Hardy said, 
Heart is playing a joke on the future or something, or the pre- your present, my future, our past. Oh, which is it? Well, let's head towards Cincinnati and find out. Because if we don't get there, we'll be, we're still outside of time. Do you understand that? So when you're outside of the city limits, you've not crossed the Kentucky River. You are not in Cincinnati proper. Oh, no, I'm going to stop you for a minute because I only know. Can I do it in my voice? I only know Cincinnati from the sitcom. The reason they call them that is they're all set. It's a set pattern, sitcom. And uh, the radio station in Cincinnati, it's going to come to me. Uh, KWRP. No, that's WKRP. But there was one out on. KWRP is out on the West Coast. WKRP. I wish I remember that Fishbone song because they name all the radio stations and then you know. But uh, KRP in Cincinnati. Uh, now that that Cincinnati is the original general. So that's a KRP in Cincinnati. And it's a very old. I don't even know if they were in Cincinnati. when I know the opening is pictures of it. That you can fool people that way. You go, oh, look, uh, Carol O'Connor was in Queens. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. That's a photo. That's just, they, they filmed that earlier. And then they're in a soundstage in Los Angeles, in Los Angeles. They're not even in Queens. They could be. I don't know. Maybe they were. Yeah, they were at Carsey Grocery Barber. No, I don't think they were. You mean where Sesame Street is filmed? Yes. I don't think so. But may, maybe. I don't know where things are filmed in the TV world or anything like that. But, uh, gosh, there was a day when, when Bill Cosby was going to work right there with Elmo at the same studio. How about that? That's something to think about. Oh, my goodness. I'm outside of C- We're in Cincinnati. We got here. That's the great thing about taking one of these buses where somebody else is driving. Because we can get lost in conversation. All of a sudden, we're there. Now, we, one of you, we left at Big Bone Lick. I know that. I heard you get out. You think I don't hear you turning out of the uh, radio show. I hear you turning it off. That's all right. Boy, that's the worst thing about one of those live streams thing. And you go, oh, my friend. Hey, Sean's here. Sean's gone. You know, like that. Oh, hey, Deborah. Debbie's gone. It always, it, it, uh, I don't want to see that. I like the anonymity. Of the radio. I don't want to see who's popping in. Oh, there's five. Should I wait to start? That's the thing with those streams. I'm on, Hello is my Facebook stream. I see there's five of you, four of you. I'm going to wait to start three of you. Hang on. There might be so. Hey, Brian, don't leave. I'm going to get. I'm fixing to start just a minute. Three of you. Great. Is that two of you? All right. I'm going to get ready to start as soon as it. See if that. that's the case with radio, too. There are. It is a possibility. That when I'm speaking, at any given time, no one is listening. And I know you say, doesn't in, can't, it shouldn't can monitor the station 24 hours a day? Doesn't he have like an earbud? Shouldn't he be? No one's listening. Sometimes no one's listening. Now, I know there's a radio at the station. You're supposed to keep it on and go, don't ever shut this off. If this ever gets shut off, no one, then literally no one's listening. And we lose our special badge, our Internet 5% badge or something. As we enter Cincinnati, we've got to really consider what we're going to do. And the first thing I want to do is I want to head to the Cincinnati Museum of Art because there's a particular 
John Singer Sargent painting I want to see. I like to visit individual paintings. It's one thing to go to a museum and browse around and look at different things. I find it rather exhausting. It's like going to a party and try to visit with every single friend. You can't do it. By the time you get to some at the end of the party, you'll be exhausted. You're going, ha, <laughs> So I go and I visit with an individual friend sometimes. That is, go to a museum, pick a painting you like that's moved you, and go visit with it. So I go to the Cincinnati Museum now. Here we go. We're going to a, see a John Singer Sargent painting from 1882 called Venetian Lady or Venetian Girl or something like that. Some people call it Girl Holding a Fan, but she's not holding a fan. She's holding, I think, glass tubes. That's only because I've read about the painting, but you wouldn't. it would, looks like a fan. She's standing there. It's a very large painting, by the way. It's, it's, it's as big as I am, and it's beautiful. And I stare at it. It's not just the beauty of the model. For me, it's just the economy of strokes in the painting. So much is conveyed through the, 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 the color and the stroke of that brush. And you can see it. And it's like magic. It's like seeing how it's done. And it works anyway. I am never not blown away by it. It's as if I can see all the components that led up to it. And still, it doesn't make any sense to me. How does it come together like that? So I like to visit it, and I sometimes get very moved. I went to see it's not there. It's not there. It's not there. We look, there's another painting there. It's not a sergeant. There's no sergeant in the room. The sign says sergeant. I run to a guard. Guard, where has the sergeant painting gone? I know someone didn't take it because there's another one there. He said, she's traveling. I said, oh, I come to just to see her. He goes, listen, you've been missing out. There is a better John Singer Sargent painting. Oh, it's small, yes. You could walk right by it. But it's, it's from his later period. Not his early period. That's fine, too. This is 30 years later. And it's two girls fishing. It's up there on your left. I love it. I work here so I can see it every day, he said. So I walked to the painting. And there it was. And it is small. It's like, I'm all, you know for 18 inches and I looked at it and it had the same economy of strokes except they were myriad and the light there was two girls sitting on the bank of a river two beautiful girls dressed in these you know those old fashioned dresses and just both of them in sort of profile but everything rendered in absolute perfection and I was stunned. I was stunned by the beauty of it all. I was stunned by John Singer Sargent being nowhere around anymore. The mind that that was in is gone. What did that? Just an object is the proof that that happened. I can't even imagine him doing it. I can't even imagine the scene anymore. I'm blown away. There's too much to think about and feel. I get overwhelmed. I start to cry, and I don't know why. I think it's the combination of things. It's not just the beauty. You don't cry when things are beautiful. You cry when you have some very acute realization of time, when time slaps you in the face, and you suddenly feel as if you're separated slightly from things, and it becomes gorgeous and tragic at the same time.
And so that's how I know that the, this thing in front of us, it, it is time. That's time right there. I recognize it when I see it. I recognize it when I see it because when I'm looking at this painting, I'm moving my eyes around. I'm nowhere all at once. I'm only one place and I'm moving around in it. And that's the way I feel about all these things. The whole life is a museum, moving from room to room, seeing different things, and they don't hit the same every time. Now, we could move on or we could stay here, but I would like to go see something else too. I would like to go see real signs. Let's go to the sign museum. There's an American sign museum there in Cincinnati too. Let's drive a little ways, only a few miles away, in kind of a warehouse. And there's those flashy neon signs, those blinking light signs that you remember maybe from your youth if you're old, certainly from old movies or something, where every town had something that looked like a tiny little Las Vegas with cascading lights, with chasing light bulbs, or humming neon tubes like that everything sounded like a david lynch movie oh all these signs are all gaudy everything gaudy and bright and whirling that was the future as the past saw it and so it'd be nice to go see the future as the past saw it and that stuff's in the past so let's go to the museum and see all these old, look at this Howard Johnson sign. So the neon implies motion. Do you ever see that? So they got the little picture of the pieman. Do you know the story of uh, uh, Howard Johnson's? So um, Howard Johnson's met a pieman going to the fair. Now hang on now. Is that how it goes? Simple Simon. Wait, wait. I don't know what this has to do with Howard Johnson. <laughs> Let's say it's Howard Johnson. Howard Johnson, a.k.a. Simple Simon. That was his, that's how he'd rap as Simple Simon. But his name's Howard Johnson. But that's not very scary. So Simple Simon met a pieman. Okay? They used to have those. They don't have piemen as much anymore now. Pies are made either in factories or, you know. I'm a baker. I also make pies. But there was dedicated piemen. People would just make the pies. And um, it's how the surname Pyman, if you know anybody by that last name, that's probably what their profession was. And they came from Pyman, Pyman County. So he meets this Pyman who's wearing, walking down the street wearing a chef's hat with pies stacked in his, wouldn't want to get, don't get the bottom pies, the other tip. Always take the top pie of a Pyman's pie stack. And he meets a Pyman going to the fair. He says to the Pyman, Excuse me, not Pyman. I'm going to the fair. Says the Pyman to Simple Simon, have first you have a penny. Says the Simple Simon to the Pyman, no, I don't got any. Says the Pyman to Simple Simon, well, for, to taste my ware, you've got to have some tear. And said, so tear? They go with some confusion. So anyway, that whole interaction where they don't know what the other one's talking about, also, one of them is from Kentucky, and the, and the simple Simon says, um, would you, could, I, could you give me a sample? And the pieman says, I don't care to. And it gets very confusing, but that actually means I don't mind. 
So this picture of the pieman holding his hands out, defeating Simon, is also outlined in neon, but not, uh, it's different uh, movement stages. Do you feel me? Like they're frames. So they're just neon frames, and that's repeating. So if, you're, if it were nighttime, you'd say that pieman is moving. The pieman, the outline of the pieman at least, seems to be bowing over, giving pie to Simon, Simon Howard, Howard, Howard S.S. Johnson, and uh, that's fabulous. And so there's this animation, this neon animation is going on too. And I looked at that and I thought, that gave me an idea about time. Look at that, because I, I thought of Zeno's arrow, which was all, also there. And you go, I don't understand. It's there in the sign museum because Zeno's was a big chain and Zeno's arrow, very famous. I don't know how times, what instances are, whether it's continuous or it's broken up into little, little instances. <clears throat> I don't know about infinity. I don't know about sets. A subset of infinity is infinite. That doesn't make any sense, does it? We've even have a hotel on the show. Um, you say, well, I, you know, that has an infinite amount of rooms. And you say, well, they're all f full. How is that possible? So we always discuss things like that on the show. And that actual hotel is in Cincinnati. So just to, all this world building is coming together, isn't it? I love it. I love some of you. I've heard from some of you go, I, you're my character in D&D, &D, Hardy. That's fabulous. I love it. I love it. Um, get those hit points or whatever. How many something do I have? Roll a die. I like that you're rolling platonic solids and everything. I think that's fabulous. I would do that too. Some of them tessellate better than others. Have you know, Are you interested in three-dimensional tessellation? I love how objects like that go together, how, how geometric objects fit together, especially if I'm building something like a, a nest for my insect overlords. They go, we would love some kind of three-dimensional geometric symmetry to it. So I can do that. I can do that for you. Oh, bug gods. They don't like to be called that. I'm glad they're not around. Signs are interesting because they point to something, but they aren't the thing. But in this case, they are the thing. The sign is the thing at the sign museum, not the thing it points to. It was very interesting. You walk in, I was very angry at first. I said, I'm here. I saw a sign for Howard Johnson's. Where is it? I want clams. I want a hot dog that's been split open and fried, and then it's on a piece of bread. I want all that. I want things that aren't no. I'm I'm on a diet, so I just want to. I just thought I'd get a hamburger patty, and some cottage cheese, and a half a peach. And I'm told that I could do that at at the Howard Johnson's. And then, after I eat all those clams, I get so sleepy, and they have a little motel right there. That's so brilliant. That's what I would do. It's great. They do. They finally catching on, and these restaurants are open and hotels and everything. Because they go, oh, better. You don't want to drive home. Then you can sell more booze and everything. Get you can get drunk as hell. You go. We got a trough to throw up in, and then you just get on the elevator, and you do have to scan your key card. I've seen somebody get on the elevator just stand there for infinity because they don't. It won't go unless you scan the key card and then press the room number. I'm just telling you like it is, friends. Uh, I don't want you to get stuck on that elevator. And that's what it is sometimes. 
when in life when we refuse to admit that we've got to swipe something. So uh, I swipe for me. It's would be jokes or ideas. I borrow them. I borrow them mainly. I try to only borrow them from the dead, because you know, or the disgraced. I find that's a, that's they're a treasure trove. Because would anybody be mad at you? So I'm getting a lot of my material now from the disgraced, and uh, I can't even. It's hard to even cull through. There's so much there. Some of it is disgraceful. That's the problem. Looking for the gems in there, among the the hasn't aged well stuff is is difficult. But I I don't mind. I'm a recycled type of person, and we have to admit that about ideas anyway. I think there's nothing uh, more stunning than to see someone convinced of their originality. I find that very that's a tell. I think say oh I'm. I'm pretty much the first one to, uh, yeah, are you though? Really? I mean, everybody's the first one to, I'm the first one to, to paint something on something else. So that's never going to happen. We're just layers. We're dealing with layers here. It's your turn to layer it. When I was uh, sleeping over, when I was in Cincinnati, not the one we're in now, not the one that's time, but the literal one. I was watching a, I don't watch TV very, very often. I don't have like broadcast. You know the kind of TV you have in the hotel where you switch there's channels? I don't have that anymore. Most of us don't, right? So I, um, I'm not used to just the, you know, you get what you get and that's what you get TV. But there was a reality show about um, people making moonshine. Oh, I've seen that one. There goes the co comment board. That's not my point. But they were making this uh, stack cake. That's the Appalachian kind of tradition where the everybody brings, I don't know, a big thing. Could be cardboard. I don't know what it is. And then you smear it with apple butter or something. And then you just keep stacking it up like that. That's what, that's what we're doing. Except that bottom stack was made a long, long time ago. And the things it, are on, it is on have all rotted away. You can't even tell they were there. So as our, our portion will do that too. Oh my goodness. We're just doing, we're just being the living, which is a total crazy, unoriginal thing uh, that only time makes original. And I like to think of it that way. I'm the only me. I mean, there's a lot of, I'm a type, but I mean, I'm the only, I'm a, uh, the only me really, strictly speaking. And, I love being strict. So I'd say, you know, I'm content with that. And, and I've done my little part, and then I will move on. Not really. I guess I will just perish. That's difficult to think about. And I'm glad there is a moment, because it feels right now, it's stretched out, feels eternal. can feel eternally bad, eternally good. Do we have control of that, Hardy? Oh, I wish. That'd be like lucid dreaming. Yeah, you, they always say, oh, be in the moment. What if the moments are horrible? I don't want to be in any moment. That's why people escape in their minds sometimes. Just go, well, right now the moment is torturous. It feels like a living hell. We'll just be in it. No! I want to be in the past or something where it was nice or in the future in a time when this won't be the case. So there's no great, uh, the now is neutral. Everything is. 
and I don't know that you can will yourself out of anything. And I'm glad that I've never, I don't know that in my whole time of talking to you, I've ever implied that you have any kind of, that there's anything you can do about anything. I hope not. Because, gosh, I don't want to hear that. on the, Well, only you can solve your problems. I don't know that's the case. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't. Only you uh, uh, could be, you decide whether you're joyous. I don't know. That doesn't ring true. It doesn't, re really. I mean, um, uh, there is, I know, we're supposed to take personal responsibility. And there's nothing you can do about that. You don't even have to take it. It'll be thrust upon you. People will make you responsible for all sorts of things that are beyond your control. So I don't know that's anything you need to embrace particularly. Just surviving it, I think, is pretty good. Uh, recognizing that others do. But really, uh, when it comes down to it, gosh, you know, these so-called choices. That I've been made, I, I don't even want to take credit for the good ones. I don't know if they were good. You know, I choose a door. Who knows what was behind it? It's always after the fact, I'm like, yep, you did the right thing. They're always talking to centenarians, centenarians, old people, extremely old people, a uh, hundred plus. And they go, how did you live so long? And they say, eggs or something like that. And, but don't listen to them. It's not, oh, I want to eat a bunch of eggs. If, if eating eggs kept you alive, Paul Newman would be alive because they ate 50 of them in Cool Hand Luke. You know what I'm saying? And Harry Dean Stanton lived longer. Did he, didn't he? I think so. And he was smoking cigarettes and shooting up and stuff, so you can do whatever you want. Um, let me tell you something. I, have, I'm on, I, I, I come to you in a spirit of o openness, and uh, I think it's love. I'm really, where I, what I am is I have given up, not in a bad way, but I have given up on certain things on having control of certain certain things because they were keeping me from making connections with people and I couldn't I couldn't have the connections with other human beings the way I wanted to if I was in this state of protective self-consciousness that I was in constantly so uh, I haven't changed anything fundamental about myself other than I have just stopped trying to actively uh, control perception of myself. And I'm now careening recklessly in this me. And uh, my goodness, that, that's all right. You know, I don't, now I don't mind it so much. No, you, you don't mind if people don't like you? I, I, yes, I do. I am not unaffected by it. But I think somewhere deep down now I know that that's, there's levels of things and that that's only on, on one level am I upset. But there's, uh, there's deeper chambers in me that no one can reach. And so, yes, I can get battered on the outside, but I got the, I'm like a Dalek. I don't know if you know what that is. A Doctor Who, there's these beings and inside they're calamari. They're cooked, not even alive anymore. Just all yucky calamari hooked up to wires. But on the outside, they're this robot with a plunger and an egg whisk. And they shoot rather ineffectual ray beams or anything. But they're tough to kill. 
you know, because they, they're little tanks. And that's so I, um, and I would say, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, oh, oh, let's say I'm a Dalek, but on the outside of the Dalek, there's some kind of skin where I can feel stuff. So when you do, I do feel it. It's just that the squishy inside part does ultimately get protected. Uh, but there could be, I still feel bad. Next question. Where are we going after the side museum? Well, I was thinking of going to uh, the Crone Conservatory. What do they conserve there? Well, not, I don't know. Plants, I think. So we're going to go. And I don't know if you've been here. Now, if you go during the holidays, I'm going to state things as they were uh, once, within a specific hour, a specific day, last week maybe. So I'm saying it's now, but really it might, I don't think that it is like that now, maybe. But the Cincinnati of a week ago will always be what it was, won't it? Even though it isn't that now. And yet for you, it isn't that yet, because I haven't told you. That's why Cincinnati is time. So you approach the Crone Museum, and let's say you get a parking space there, and yes, it is a big indoor garden thing, you know, like a glass conservatory. But there's a little shed during Christmas off to the side that serves as a manger, and in it are statues of uh, uh, Mary and Joseph and um, Jagadag, I don't know who else was there, and, and infant Jesus, and God, there was, seems like it was, I went in, there was a statue, so you walk in this thing, they got it all recreated there with statues, but listen to this, this is a catch, the animals are real, the animals are real and moving, so there's a, uh, a donkey or two, there is sheep, but they have them way separate because the sheep were eating the baby, I think, or something was eating the baby, nibbling at it. And then they've got, that's it. I know that's not a lot, but it seemed, in my mind, there was chickens, but I don't think there were chickens there. Funny you don't see that in a, in a real manger scene. Another thing that did not have, which is a European tradition, Spanish, I think maybe a Catalan tradition, is the cogoner. Now, the cogoner is a figure in... Um, the little manger scene that is pooping, is squatting to poo, which is healthier for you than sitting on a toilet. So he's squatting and he's pooing, and then you say, "Isn't that blasphemous?" You know, nothing that, nothing that. How? What do you mean? Well, he's uh, he's desecrating. He's defecating. No, well, he's doing both. Okay, he's desecrating uh, the scene because it's a bullet. And hey, when you think about it. What's more natural? What are the animals doing as well? Why do we forget that? You know, uh, that this is all peace on earth. What about poo as well? That's on earth. So we have to see the, the whole picture. The, and the odor, that's what's wonderful. A lot of religious experiences you have, you don't have with barn smells. And barn smells are the most evocative, wonderful thing. And... Uh, I think only you'd make fun of somebody right from the city if they'd go, ooh, God, what's that? Because you walk in the morning and goes, I don't know. I know 
It's not supposed to smell great. It doesn't smell great, but it doesn't smell bad. It just smells like there's animals here. And animals being here is a good thing. Maybe if I smelled tiger scat, I would be instinctively nervous. But the turds of herbivores is not something that bothers me too much. So that's what it was. It was the, the turds of herbivore, um, which I think is from Tolkien, isn't it? Um, we can enlist. If we're getting help to go take the ring back, we simply must have the turds of herbivores behind us on our side. And we can make all sorts of things with them. I think we can polish floors with it. Isn't that amazing? People are so resourceful. Use it for fuel, you know? Love it. Oh, we don't have, I don't have peat to dry my barley for my whiskey. So I'm going to use this turd, this cow turd or something, and I'm going to make Jack Daniels. No, I don't know what I'll make with it. You can make anything. Oh, my goodness. If we're, if we're going to be uh, really here at the uh, Chrome Museum, we've got to go in. We've got to pay our $500. No, it's not that much. I don't know. I'm going to get everybody, though. Hey, they're all with me, so just tally it up and, and bill me. Uh, Ken, Ken Friedman is my name. So we're all going to go in, and uh, now, the minute you walk into this place, your eyeglasses are going to fog up permanently because the humidity here, it's worse than anything. It's worse than Central Florida or something. Uh, North, North Florida in the summer, uh, it's like that. So you walk in, and everything else is that's the flora of Boca. Basically, crotons everywhere, palms and everything, all these things. If you had, if you could have a space capsule around Boca Raton, and then just there it is with streams and everything. And because it's the holidays, or maybe all the time, they've got these little trains going around through the, the crotons and the elephant ear gazanjas and the garbunlas and everything like that. They got it all. And then they got it all Christmas decked out in some other areas, going through cactuses and everything. And then they have buildings, Cincinnati landmarks, made out of what looks to be resin or something. I don't know what it is, something dark and foreboding. I, t I really don't know it. It could be chopped liver with, with some polyurethane on it is what it looked like. I'm being as exact as I can be. I don't know what it was. They were all, it could tell it was handmade. And it was interesting to me. They've got some interesting buildings there. The Procter & Gamble building, which isn't very old, but it looks like it's Art Deco, but it's from the, like 70s or something. And it was there made out of, again, I don't know, sugar-free chocolate. It had that, some kind of cast to it. Trains, little trains going around, and everything just with that damp, dampness. I don't know. I think it, it felt, you know what it felt like to me? It felt like an alien race had like convinced someone. You know how they put like a bacteria in your brain and make you do something? Cats will do this with their own filth, will make you, uh, will addle you enough that you have a lot of them, and they use their own waste as the mechanism. And I believe that somehow these aliens got control of people. They say, build us this environment. It's like a very humid boca. And people like that 
steam and because it's very uncomfortable in there. For me, I couldn't get my breath. I like saying, you know, humid air. It's not bad. I couldn't breathe. I was, oh, oh. You know, where's where's virtual uh, Arizona or something? I can't do this. Or where's the breeze, you know? So uh, it was very close. So I'm thinking this feels like an ideal environment for some for another kind of creature that has that's covered with mucus or something. I don't even know. I'm just speculating. And maybe they're hiding there among the century plants and the Christmas cacti and all this, the succulents. There was a succulent geranium. It's like a, it looks like a geranium, but it's a succulent. And it's, it's terrifying, you know? I mean, it'd be like seeing something go, that looks like a cat. Oh, God, it's a reptile. That's the, that's the feeling I got. Go, that's no geranium. So a lot of the, the, the cacti give me that feeling, kind of an alien feeling. And, oh, no, where I'm from, we have those. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not saying where you live is alien. But uh, it was just an interesting contrast because outside was so cold. It, the, really, the big cold snap hadn't come yet, but it was still pretty cold outside. And it is now. If it's winter, if it's not, I don't know when you're listening to this, and I don't know what kind of environment you're in. So I'm, I'm in stifling under this uh, electric blanket. So um, it's not cold where you are, is what you're saying. No. When you said electric blanket, I really want to quote my dinner with Andre and what Wallace Shawn says about his electric blanket, and, 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 and Andre has an opinion of electric blanket too, but his is misguided. Like, I just don't think getting up when it, I mean, it's going to, even if you have an electric blanket and you have to get up in the middle of the night, it's cold when you go to the bathroom. I don't see his point. So I guess you had to see the movie, but it's still bothering me. A lot of things eat away at me like that, and I, I know they do on the comment board because I'll say something and I'll say, uh, like a type of donut or something, and people will. It triggers, but not triggers in a bad way, but I mean it, it sets off something, like the first domino of an OK Go video, and then you never know what's going to happen. Everything that comes out of my mouth is like that. I realize that. That's why I like to keep it coming so it doesn't, you, you lose focus. I think it's very bad to, for one thing to follow the other in a logical way. Oh, that'll, it takes you right into a, corner you know it really really things spin out of control in a predictable way you don't want that you know i think the only way to really exercise any kind of free will is in a state of absolute chaos and confusion otherwise things set into a course pretty quickly you can do that with your whole life you decide to be a certain type or a certain person and all of a sudden you're that and there's nothing you can do about it and you wake up one day and you're wearing a tie and people are calling you sir or something like that and it isn't who you are but you see you've kind of let one thing lead to the other you just weren't chaotic enough you need to undo some things as they're done i think so i don't know i don't know how it's done any of this is done but my life, which has been absolute, uh, you know, confusion, pretty much, is, uh, and I don't know that I was, I'm doing that on purpose, but that part, I think, is working out rather well. It's the set part, you know, that is not. The expectations that are not. 
the role that you fall into. That's the hard one. You say, well, I am a, uh, what's a fancy name? I'm, I am a Sherbright hacker uh, hyphen Packerton. And Sherbright Packertons, there's certain things that are expected of us. You might, so you might have family expectations or something like that. Or you're very tall, but you're not sports. So you know how that is. People think you're one thing. And um, those can propel you. You, know, you can get on that train. Or you can pretend to get on the train and then get off on the other side, which is what I do. And just keep doing that, confusing yourself and others. Please describe what you're doing right now. Nothing. I'm doing... I'm walking some friends toward time in a sort of guided tour. And I'm using Cincinnati to bring concrete terms to something that can't really be described that way. I'm making something physical that doesn't seem to have any physicality. But we're with it always. It's something that absolutely is the number one cause, problem, everything. Everything that makes life tragic is time. Everything. So uh, what are you going to do about it? It seems like people are doing very little about it. Say, so, well, it's just uh, what is, is it? No, it, you can't even say what is, is, because it's the minute it is, it isn't again. Whatever is, was, and whatever is, will be. You're not saying anything. That's how they get you. That's how they get you, is by saying you're not saying anything, or you're being absurd, or it doesn't make any sense. It isn't about that. It's just feel your way through. Don't think your way through it. Feel your way through it. You know, I'm really interested, not only in, first of all, I don't understand physicists when they talk to me about the, what they think the nature of time is. Uh, two, I don't really understand a lot of uh, 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 brain scientists, of neuroscientists, when they explain to me. But you know what I like? As I like wacky people's theories of what time is because they speak to how it's experienced by someone who has no evidence. And that is very enlightening as far as I'm concerned. I like to hear how our imagination deals with it because that is the boots on the ground right there. That's the proof of the pudding. That's the real reality of it. Uh, you say, well, when it's explained to me, it doesn't make any sense. You know, how does it feel? What does it feel like it's happening? That's what's of interest to me because it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, the feeling is what's going to affect me. That's what's going to make me sad or, or, or anything like that. So I've got to get a, a kind of handle on what it is I'm feeling. What's my relationship to it? So I've talked about my relationship to Cincinnati. I don't live there. I could visit there if I wanted to. And I'm taking you there. So, you know, uh, maybe I, I like being outside of time. Maybe I think it's useful. Maybe I don't mind it. Maybe I don't mind drifting. Do you? Do you have to be headed somewhere all the time? Do you have to be headed somewhere? Does there have to be a destination? Well, let it be Cincinnati, but not the real one. The one that is filled with possibilities. It can be anything you want. Anything is there. Anything is in that Cincinnati. And so we go there and we can create a museum with our brain and walk through it like it's our brain house. 
See what's on the walls. Pictures of our youth. Friends. Parties that we've been to. Whole parties, whole events pinned to the wall like that that we can look at and lose ourselves in, that we can cry about or laugh about. I love doing it with you. I love being there with you and experience. I'm glad that we're alive at the same time. Oh, boy, oh, boy. You know, this is, uh, I don't want to make too much of it, the being alive thing. You know, I know that we're supposed to pretend that we have an infinite amount of time. All of this just keeps going on or it's disposable. Yeah, I'm bored. Something to get through. Oh, sometimes even when I'm having a hard time or I'm grieving or something, I, I do a weird kind of savoring. I've experienced it at, at funerals or a time when there is grief. Or even if the experience is kind of bitter or sour or sad, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of clinging to it. And I wonder what that is, this attraction to the, the temporariness. I don't mind it so much sometimes when I lose myself, when I'm able to sort of dissipate, when I can become radio waves. When we're together, it's like that too. You know, when there's a group of us and we're all together and, and you look around the party and you go, gosh, this is great. It's not about me. It's not about me. And there's a sort of like joy, sadness that might come when you say, if I evaporated right now, would anybody notice? But then I could go up to that person right now and give them great happiness and someone would notice. And they say, I'm glad Hardy's here. It can be both at the same time. And that's liberating. I feel liberated by that. Oh, I don't want all the responsibility. Oh, I don't want all of it. I don't mind being it being us. I don't mind losing myself a bit because I know that sort of when I retreat, I retreat to a lonely place where you are not. And the you that is there is a, a sort of different you or a shadow you. And so I love being on the, on the outside too. Oh, what are you talking about, Hardy? I don't know. Well, I do and I don't. I don't know. I feel. I feel what I'm talking about. Uh, but I don't exactly know. And uh, I think you only sound, I think you sound crazier when you purport to know, when the absurdity is coming from purported knowledge. You know what I'm saying? So I'd say there's a race of alien beings and like I say, they're insects. And like I say, they're living at the Crone Conservatory. And like I say, I build tessellated nests for them. And I'm telling you all this. Now, if I was to say that that's actual and factual and I know it, that sounds kind of lunatic. I don't know if it's true or not, but it sounds nuts. But the things I feel, they can't ever be nuts. Because you know that you don't have much uh, control over that too. You know that those feelings just sort of happen. And they're unprocessed. They're just the raw stuff. And then we go around trying to make sense of them. Everything that we know, all our knowledge, is just us making sense of feelings. You know, we have an impression of something. And then there comes the figuring it out. But the impression comes first. What was that? That scared me to death. I need to look into that. Is that something benign or something genuinely scary? <sighs> But it starts with a feeling. 
Oh, I hope that I've uh, brought you something to feel about. Today, you've got enough to think about, and now you just have something to, to feel, to toss over in your mouth. Some things don't have to be nourishing. Licking a the filling of one of those sandwich cookies. That's just pure experience, and I don't mind that. I don't mind being a, the big, big bone lick that you can come to if you're a, um, if you're thirsty, don't do it. If you're a thirsty buffalo or bison or whatever, don't lick more salt. Arrgh! Don't drink salt water either. Look for some refreshing fresh water that isn't some sort of swamp that you're going to fall in, get stuck, and then have human beings with the spears uh, come and eat your bowels. You don't want that. So uh, be careful how much on, on your salt intake and everything. I need to. Do I need to watch that? I might. Am I? He's like, you don't sound like you have hypertension, don't I? Get yourself checked out. Get yourself a blood pressure cuff. Consult with your doctor. Look at that that blood pressure. You want to get that under control, and uh, could lead to stroke. Kidney disease, all sorts of things. So, hey, older folks, get checked out. There's a lot to fear, a lot of scary stuff ahead, a lot of absolutely terrifying uh, piper paying now that you've survived. You're, Woof, boy, I've survived it. I've lived into old age. It hasn't even started. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't mean to scare you. It doesn't matter. Uh, oh, it doesn't. It doesn't. I'm going to be gentle with you because I love you. And you know I'm going to give you a big hug at the end. I'm just having fun. I like to make light of some things just because, gosh, what are you going to do? And so um, this, apparently, right? If I, it's funny. They give you, so you have people's ear, Hardy. What are you going to say? And you'd think maybe if it was you, you'd say, well, I'd, I want to say something important. Well, you know, you might never say anything then. There's a, there's a paralysis with uh, planning. You know, you can really plan yourself into inaction sometimes. Sometimes it's just good to, to do it and then flee the country or just uh, change your name or lie that it happened is a good thing. No, it's not. A, is it a good thing? I don't know. This is not, I'm not here to talk about uh, ethics, although I'd love to. Maybe I will. Oh, I should do that. I need to learn more, though. I'm telling you, stay right here. I'm going to go get a degree, and I'll be right back. That is, unfortunately, a bit of a limitation that I have, is I am not an expert, and you would expect somebody to be know a little more about something. To Not true. I have been entertained by people saying all sorts of things. So it's really, it, the burden is on the audience, I think. The burden is always on the listener and the observer. You don't know that what you're hearing is intended to be entertainment or intended to be edifying. or You don't know whether it's a failed lesson, whether it's bad art, or whether it's just something that's happening, something you're seeing. Which is it? You're the one who brings the evaluation to it. You're the judge. 
So if you're going to go around observing and looking and judging, understand that that may not be the other end of the relationship. That the thing that's instigating it might not be an artist. It might not have any kind of intent. You might be watching and listening to something that is random. Oh, my friends, as we near this new year, as we're entering a new year of 19... I like to leave these evergreen. I don't want to say anything specific. But we might be entering a new year. And if we are, what does that mean? Nothing. That doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. It just leaves me feeling really cold and weird that people think it's... Every time there's a new year, it feels like something's supposed to happen. And when you're coming up, you have that, that image of the old man is supposed to die, and then he gets regenerated as a baby or something, and it's some kind of twisted, eternal Doctor Who calendar thing. And I don't really subscribe to that, and that just feels like, you know, what do you mean that last year is dead and gone? It was just yesterday. It doesn't make any sense. It's a weird, arbitrary delineation. Nothing is happening right there. Uh, so it's always the new year. Every year, and people have New Year's and other cultures happen at all different times, don't they? So I'm every day is a new year for me, and I try to. I get forced into recognizing the one that happens at the end of December and beginning of January, but really, boy, that, that could be any time for us, friends. I would like to thank you now for listening this year. It's been a wonderful thing. Let's listen, let's listen back to some things that ha happened uh, during the course of the year. Well, roll the tape. Nothing, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Nothing. We have no tape. Nothing happened. It's all gone now. The old man, New Year's, lays shivering and emaciated in his bed of the past, waiting for to transform into a, a little newborn uh, thing that's all soft. And he can keep the diapers, the same diapers, just make them, they, they need to be taken in. So slightly altered and also the sash needs to be updated to the new date. But other than that, it's the same thing. And then we're going to visit uh, middle age. This summer we'll be visiting middle-aged year, where it's just, it's like a, just an old middle-aged person in diapers again, but in the summer. And so it seems appropriate. So those are uh, bathing trunks. <laughs> are they? Or is that a person, a physical manifestation of a year so why couldn't Cincinnati be time? Thank you for traveling with me through time. This is uh, Hardy White, and you're listening to Miracle Nutrition on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County and New York City, New York, and online worldwide, WFMU.org, Freeform Radio, loving it, doing it. Thank you so much, and I will see you again next week.
name was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. Twins 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 name was Ebony. Cuidado, mami, mira, mira. should a god visit earth if to be only a slave to man? Why should a god visit earth if to be only a slave to man? Why should a man be a slave to man if only to be a slave to man? A man to God, a god to man. If only to be within a state unnatural to his natural self, or ought to self. Why should a god visit earth? If only to be a slave to man. When men are brothers, they are brothers because they know they are. They walk the initiate bridge. The initiate bridge degree of pointlessness. They are friends of pointless intuition companionship. Sincere understandingness of and on angelic planes of being. That is why I have said they are not my brothers, but they are not my brothers. See how the black rays of the black race have touched immeasurable wisdom, and therefore the unknown quantity. See how they are not understood, because as they are is not understood, and as to what they know is what they are. See the unlimited freedom of the black rays. Only to be bottomlessly hum humble is to be bottomlessly cast out until there's none to compare. Only to be bottomlessly ignorant is to be the other state of ecstasy. That ignorance which builds art into the unknown. And this unknown is of the greater chaos, for chaos is immeasurable. It is on farmers as to the idea of farm, and of the desire to synchronize to what is, which is and what is not the end. 
Paradox. Paradox. A synchronization to the infinity. A knowing. Cosmic. Chaos. When you meet a man, you meet a scheme of words, patterns of concept, a concepted being whose very brief conception is called. Someone took the tender care to win a victory by defeat, and with defeat, made defeat the defeat of the universe. There never had been a feat like this defeat. Defeat is a scenario of the life and lives of the people and peoples of planet Earth. Defeat is defeat to understand. I may be here, maybe not. I've never been inside life. Always I have looked through the glass at those within. There was no door for me to enter. I had no place to call my home. I had no people to call my own. I was and am theirs if they cared that I be. But since they came before me, how can I say they are mine? How can I say I can call them my own? Perhaps they are a world of aliens, barring eyes, the alien out. So out became the truth for me instead of in. There's no room for those of out in the in. There's no room for those of out in the end, it is written, there was no room in the end. His life, in life, is life temporary? In life, everyone seems to be temporary. It is temporary? Is it temporary? What can people do worse than the way life is allowed to treat them in the enforced roles of the game of life? Life allots to them their allotment. But their lot is a heap of shame and vanity. The useless end, inconsolable death. I speak of, but I do not speak of anything, because I speak of everything. I speak of I, but when I speak of me, it is a we, because we are, and that is why we be in the Amelias. We walk the earth together, and together we will, and do sail the skies of other climes and worlds eternal. As me, I'm here, but as I, but as I, I am always there. As me, I'm here, but as I, I am always there. There's somewhere else or there, 
because of the needs and yearnings of the us and we. We are small. Point. Cosmo infinity pattern. We are. We. We are so tiny, you see. We are. We. We belong to the we people of us. We belong to the we people of us. We're so tiny, you see. 